Texas, some Whiskey Myers to get things going for us on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Hoff Power Polaris. Loved or hated, but never ignored. We do it every weekend. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and I am thrilled to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. And man, oh man, we've got a great show lined up for y'all this morning. So pour yourself another cup of coffee, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire here, because we've got a lot to get into, and we'll start things off by visiting with a couple of fine young men who recently won the Texas State High School Bass Fishing Championship. Uh, Colton Mitchell and Dallin Bishop will join us here. Uh, This duo even got to go fishing with Elite Series Pro and Bassmaster Classic champion Alton Jones on Lake Fork, so uh, pretty cool stuff there, and we'll hear all about their experiences uh, coming up here momentarily. Then, a very special treat when our longtime friend of the show and host of Meat Eater TV, Stephen Ranella, drops by. Uh, If you haven't heard, Stephen has been fighting the dreaded Lyme disease over the past few months. Uh, It's a very serious situation, and hopefully we can learn from his misfortune. Uh, Of course, it's not all doom and gloom. We'll also talk about the upcoming Season 4 of Meat Eater, which will air on Sportsman's Channel this fall. So uh, great stuff coming up here with Steven uh, before we round out the show by talking some saltwater fly fishing with Captain Scott Sparrow, who will join us from the Lower Laguna Madre. So if you enjoy fly fishing or, or sight casting to tailing redfish or trout, uh, then you'll want to be tuned in for that discussion as well. Uh, so it's going to be a great show. I know I'm looking forward to it. Uh, real quick, a couple things off of the Lone Star Outdoor Show News Desk. Don't forget that our Photo of the Month contest for August is going on right now. It's sponsored by Costa Del Mar. This month's winner will get to customize their own pair of Costa Del Mar shades. So email me your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com for your chance to uh, be entered into our August contest. And then, of course, all 12 of our yearly winners will go into the pool and compete for our 2013 Photo of the Year uh, grand prize package, which is uh, an exotic buck slash spring turkey hunt with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas, a beautiful place down there. I've had the pleasure of hunting there a couple times now and and would love for you to join me on that grand prize hunt next spring. Uh, I also want to mention that I'll be out at the Texas Trophy Hunter Extravaganza in Fort Worth this weekend. I'll be hanging out with my buddy Don Gresham at the Going Fencing Hog Trap Display booth. So come by, say hi. Love to visit with you. Uh, last thing here, we're going to give away a Cabela's gift card to the third listener to text in the word Cabela's. That's Cabela's to 214-289-7807. Text in Cabela's to 214-289-7807, and I'll send you this $25 Cabela's gift card. Uh, let's knock out a quick break. This segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by... Real Bark Hunting Blinds, the official blind of our show. Real Bark is Texas-made and Texas-owned and offers the finest in comfort and durability in a hunting blind. Be sure to visit their website at realbark.com to see their full line of extreme blinds today. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Colton Mitchell and Dallin Bishop. We're talking big bucket mouths with our Texas State High School Bass Fishing Champions. You're listening to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. It's too late. It's all gone. Had your chance, you took too long. 
buy a trailer? Well, Big Tex Trailers is DFW's number one source for trailers. In addition to utility trailers, we have the largest selection of cargoes anywhere. CM Cargoes, Wells Cargoes, Hallmark, Cargo Craft, and Pace. You want it, we got it. Come and get it. Call 972-501-0200 or go to BigTexDFW.com. That's Big Tex Trailers, tough as a Texas Longhorn. Did you know there's a bank that will pay you to be its customer? That's right. Lone Star Ag Credit is a cooperative and, since it's owned by its stockholders, pays millions in dividends each year. That's free money to every borrower. Lone Star Ag Credit serves people all over Northeast Texas, assuring you competitive interest rates on real estate loans, rural home loans, livestock and farm and ranch loans. Contact Lone Star Ag Credit today at 800-530-1252 or on the web at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Equal housing lender. Hey, y'all. Cable Smith here for Tioga Retrievers. As bird hunters, we expect the most out of our gun dogs. And that's why I sent my sweet girl, Belle, to Angie and Tim Becker at Tioga Retrievers. Not only were her manners and obedience spot on in the blind and in the field, but Belle picked up over 200 birds in her first season. So whether you want a well-rounded hunting dog or just a well-mannered companion for the home, Tioga Retrievers has you covered. Located in Aubrey, Texas, visit TiogaRetrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A Retrievers.com. Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas specializes in exotics such as Axis Deer and Black Buck. Coons Canyon offers quality animals at a price the working man can afford. Right now, save 10% on any package of multiple animals. Military personnel, police, and firefighters also get 10% off. Lodging is available upon request, as are other exotic species. Visit CoonsCanyonRanch.com for your next exotic trophy hunt. That's CoonsCanyonRanch.com. Howdy Outdoors fans, Michael Kerr, View Internet Manager at Graf Chevrolet. We're proud to be the official dealership of the Lone Star Radio Show. We have a large selection of new Chevys starting at just $12,999. Lowest overhead means lowest price in North Texas. We'll beat any price on a new Chevy guaranteed. Drive a little, save a lot, Chevys are cheaper in Grand Prairie. Call 800-560-3518 or shop online 24-7 at GrafChevrolet.com. Graf Chevrolet, serving Texas Outdoors fans since 1952. Chevy runs deep. Hi, this is Elite Series Pro Alvin Jones. Welcome back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. She has me Don't want to lay this guitar down. One of my all-time favorites there from the late, great Rusty Weir bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Hoff Power Polaris. We are about to talk some bass fishing here, but first, a message from Cabela's. It's in that first chill in the air. It's the turning of the leaves. It's the one season you'll wait for all year long. So come to Cabela's Fall Great Outdoor Days, our biggest sale and event of the year with deals on amazing gear like Cabela's Revolutionary Zones Camo. Plus, you'll want to get there early for Saturday, 8 a.m. doorbusters. Don't miss Cabela's Fall Great Outdoor Days. Shop in-store or at cabelas.com. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome our first guest to the program today, a couple of very special youngsters who recently won the Texas State High School Bass Fishing Championship. Colton Mitchell and Dallin Bishop, thanks for dropping in, guys. It's really great, Cable. I appreciate the call. Well, it is certainly my pleasure. And, you know, first of all, um, you guys just graduated from Rouse High School. That's near Leander, Texas. 
And y'all's senior year was highlighted by winning the Texas State High School Bass Fishing Championship. That's part of the Student Angler Federation. And uh, I believe y'all qualify for the regional tournament. And if you do well there, uh, then the national high school championship as well. Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay, Colton. Uh, now, where is the regional tournament, and are you guys already getting geared up for that? Yes, the next tournament is in Lake Texoma. I've, me and my dad have already planned at least one trip to go up there before the tournament and kind of just see the lay of the lake. All right, so y'all are going to do a little scouting out there. Uh, and Colton, just uh, for all of our listeners who aren't familiar with the high school bass fishing uh, format, um, I guess your dad, Scott, is the boat captain for you and Dallin. Uh, but explain how exactly all that works, because uh, I'm not familiar with it myself. Well, the way they had it going was you had to have a boat captain that was a parent of some kind mm-hmm. or just someone that's above 18 if you have like a brother that has a boat or something. But uh, the captain was not allowed to fish during the tournament. Right. So I just kind of drove the boat around while we fished and fun having him with us. Okay. And Dallin, uh, where was the state championship held? It was at Lake LBJ. Okay. Great lake. Uh, now, what was the winning weight that you guys brought in at the state championship? We pulled in uh, 15 pounds and 13 ounces with big bass weighing 7 pounds and 11 ounces. Awesome. So as a team, you guys just weigh in your best five fish. Yes, but we only had three, and we still beat everyone that had five. Hey, that's even better, fellas. Uh, Now, as far as prizes um, that are associated uh, with the Texas high school bass fishing scene and uh, the Student Angler Federation, I know there was some some pretty significant scholarship money that you guys ended up winning. We got a $1,000 scholarship to... Brand new rods that were American Rodsmith's rods. I use it every time I go fishing now. It's a great rod. Uh-huh. And uh, we got free jerseys. I think we got three free jerseys. I mean, it just felt like stuff just kept coming. Awesome. And and the $1,000 scholarship, uh, does that go towards college tuition? Yes, sir. That's uh, college tuition. Not a bad deal for uh, for catching a few fish. And equally as, as cool as, as all the stuff that you guys won was the fact that uh, y'all had the honor of fishing with uh, one of the world's greatest bass fishermen, uh, the pride of Waco, Texas, and, and former Bassmaster Classic champion Alton Jones. And I believe uh, you guys went down to uh, Lake Fork. Yes, sir. Awesome. So did you guys learn anything? Well, we definitely learned uh, a little patience because we are fishing real, real slow all day long. Right. And it, but it was fun. We just kept rolling on them in the boat. Okay. Well, in the article I read in Texas Fish and Game magazine, it said uh, that y'all were using buzz baits. Is that what y'all caught most of the fish on? Yes, sir. A buzz bait is kind of a uh, top water that has a propeller blade on the top. You just reel real slow over the top of the water, as slow as you possibly can, still giving it the top water action, though. Right. Those bass were just going crazy over it. Well, Dallin, who caught the biggest fish that day? Uh, that day it was Colton, I think. Colton, you caught a bigger fish than Alton Jones? Yep. There you go, man. That'll that'll be a story that uh, you'll be able to tell your kids the time that you outfished Alton Jones. Uh, but, hey, let's talk about y'all's bass club. Um, these clubs are popping up at high schools all over the state of Texas. It's, it's really a great thing. Kids like you guys are getting involved in competitive fishing at an earlier age than ever before. Um, 
As far as y'all's bass club at Rouse High School, is it one that you guys helped get off the ground, or, or was it already established? Uh, yeah, we kind of helped it get off the ground. Uh-huh. My buddy E. Covington was uh, probably the main guy that helped out start it, and uh, he found a teacher, Mr. Anthony, that was real interested in uh, the world of bass fishing, and we got it passed by like the school and everything to start this club, and we joined the uh, TBFSAF uh, program as a membership so we could enter in this tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, something came about it. Awesome. Well, like I said, this is a phenomenon. It's uh, it's really nice to see these clubs popping up all over the state of Texas on the high school level and, and even all over the country uh, in some respect. It's something that is really filtered down from the college level, as you know, most universities out there these days are going to have enough students passionate enough about bass fishing to have their own clubs. Uh, but on the high school level, I think it's absolutely fabulous because, let's face it, if uh, you guys are out fishing on the weekends, then it's going to be a lot harder to get in trouble. And I'm not saying that y'all are bad kids by uh, by any means. But uh, my belief is that kids who hunt and fish and are raised that way are less likely to get in trouble to begin with. Uh, so it really is great. Now, as far as you guys, you're in y'all's future, uh, Dallin, you're actually going on a mission trip for a couple of years. Yes, sir. All right. So you'll defer your college scholarship prize money until then. Uh, Colton, I believe you are headed to Tarleton State University, and I know they've got a good bass club down there. Yes, sir. I'm already going to be a part of it. Well, you'll be a welcome addition, I'm sure. Uh, when is that regional finals tournament that you guys will be fishing in? Uh, I believe it's October 19th. All right. So if y'all do well there, uh, then y'all will be fishing in the National High School Bass Fishing Championship. Uh, we will certainly be pulling for you on the regional level and following along. I wish you guys the best, not only in your future fishing endeavors, but also in life as well. Y'all certainly seem like a couple of level-headed young men, and I appreciate y'all being a part of the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show today. All right. Thank you, Cable. Yep, thank you. No problem. All right. Big round of applause for Colton Mitchell and Dallin Bishop. Uh, you know, it really is a cool thing uh, to see these kids getting involved in competitive fishing at the high school level. And my hope is that someone out there today, whether you're a high school student, whether you're a parent of a high schooler, or uh, or maybe you're a teacher, but uh, maybe this sparks one of you guys to get a bass club going at your high school. Because in today's technology-driven world, I think that every high school needs a bass club, no doubt about it. Uh, that segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep your whitetail herd healthy and happy, including the Dr. Deer-backed Buck Forage Oats. So check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call my buddy Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today Well, let's knock out a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by our longtime friend, Renowned outdoor writer and host of the hit show Meat Eater on Sportsman's Channel, Stephen Ranella drops by to talk about his recent and very serious bout with Lyme disease. So stay tuned. It could save you a lot of pain and heartbreak. You're listening to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's no fortune at the end of the road that has no end. There's no Oh, 
BioBore EB is the premier gasoline additive that combats the negative effects ethanol has on an engine. Its comprehensive formula is designed to protect marine engines and marine environments, yet also works great in all two- and four-stroke engines. It prevents phase separation and ethanol-related engine problems while stabilizing fuel for 18 months. BioBore's detergents also clean the entire fuel system of carbon and varnishes. BioBore EB has the best treat rate in the industry. One ounce treats an amazing 15 gallons of gas. Available at your local sporting goods store or visit BioBore.com today. Cinnamon Creek Ranch is not your typical archery club. It's a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located on 80 acres in Roanoke, Texas, and offering over 200 3D targets to shoot at, this one-of-a-kind event facility was designed with a bow hunter in mind. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. We hope you love listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, because we do, and we're proud to be a title sponsor. Now listen up, we here at Hoffbear Outdoor Superstore have got some great deals for you folks that love the great outdoors. Whether you're needing a brand new Polaris ATV, or maybe a Polaris Ranger, to ride around check your deer feeders, get to and from the deer blind, maybe to get you down to the dove patch, whatever your needs are, we can fix you up with a brand new Polaris today. Now we're also a New Holland tractor and equipment dealer. Now I'm just speculating, but maybe you need need a new tractor and shredder to shred around your deer blinds, maybe clean up around deer camp, or maybe even shred a few lanes in those sunflower pack. Now, we've got lots more than just Polaris and New Holland, so come check us out today. Hoffbauer's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. You can check us out on the web at hpolaris.com. Better yet, just come see us. Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas, and in Central Texas for over 48 years now. And folks, we couldn't have stuck around this long. We were steering you wrong. Ben Lofton Fencing is Texas' premier fencing company. They apply a design-it-right, build-it-right-the-first-time mindset to all projects. And with 15-plus years' experience, there's no job they won't tackle. Ben Lofton Fencing specializes in deer and exotic game fences, breeder and handling facilities, water gaps, as well as farm and ranch fences, and corrals and working pens. Better Business Bureau certified, they offer the quality and personal service you expect. So for your next fencing project, go Texan and call Mr. Lofton himself at 254-709-1320 or visit BenLoftonFencing.com. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey everybody, this is Brian Spagnol from TexasMotorCars.com. I'm here today to tell you about the best place in Texas to shop for your next vehicle. TexasMotorCars.com is a family-owned and operated business located in Addison, Texas. We have a huge inventory of pre-owned vehicles and specialize in trucks and SUVs. Please visit TexasMotorCars.com today. Come see me, Brian Spagnola. Our phone number is 972-481-1660. <laughs> Bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered 
by Hoff Power Polaris. Cable Smith here, so good to be talking outdoors with everybody this morning. Uh, this segment of the program proudly brought to you by Foreverlast Hunting and Fishing Products. This fall, stop by a local dealer or visit foreverlast.com to see their new Varmint Guard Feeder, whose unique leg design keeps your yellow gold safe from those corn thieves. Also, you'll save 15% off your entire order by using the keyword deer. That's the keyword deer when you shop online at foreverlast.com. Well, moving right along here, our next guest is an old friend of the show. He is a renowned outdoor writer and host of the hit show Meat Eater on Sportsman's Channel. Unfortunately, he recently had the wind taken out of his sails when he contracted a very serious illness while on his outdoor adventures. So we are certainly glad to have Stephen Ranella join the show today. Thanks for dropping in, man. I know that you are far from feeling your best that he contracted while on his outdoor adventures. So, Stephen, we certainly appreciate you dropping in today, man. I know you are not feeling your best. Thank you very much for having me on. It's always great to uh, to connect with you and, and, and see what you're up to. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, where are you joining us from today? I, I imagine you're back home in New York trying to get some rest and, and recover from this thing. Yeah, I'm laid up. You know, it's funny because I remember one time years ago I had calculated that I hadn't slept in the same place for a week for over two years and it only happened because i had to be out of town for eight days in the same place you know so i'm, I'm always gone you know i'm like always on the road and now because i'm doing this uh iv antibiotic treatment i'm home 28 days in a row which i haven't honestly i don't think i've done this in, in uh i don't think i've done something like this in in over 20 years wow so I'm just getting real familiar with the walls around me, man. They're 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 closing in on me. <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez. So, well, and yeah, for for those who might not be aware, uh, you recently came down with the dreaded Lyme disease, which yeah. is uh, incredibly nasty. The symptoms include fever, headache, fatigue, depression. Even it'll attack your nervous system if you let it go. And uh, I mean, are you are you enjoying all of those symptoms? Yeah, I got. It's such a long, strange story how this happened. And I'm telling you, like, I know that there's guys that listen to you who are like how I used to be, where you like you you you're aware of Lyme, like you're aware of the threat of deer ticks, mm -hmm. but you just don't really pay attention because it's like not going to happen to you because it wasn't like a thing when you were growing up, you know? Yeah. We didn't talk about it when I was growing up. It wasn't an issue. It's like it wasn't around. And now it is. And, and I'll tell you, I don't even know. I'm not sure when it happened. I was turkey hunting, not for my show, but just, wreck, just turkey hunting for fun. Mm -hmm. not, that it's, not that it's not fun to turkey hunt on the show, but I was turkey hunting with a buddy. My, well, actually, the producer of my show, he and I were out turkey hunting on May 1. Now, on May 2, I'm getting out of the shower, and lo and behold, there's like a, look like a zit, man, on my waistline. Uh -huh. And... There's like a little black thing in there, and I pop it out, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, that's a tick, man. I can't believe that little sucker in there. <laughs> Email my buddy that I work with. I'm like, hey, man, I just dug a tick out, so beware. From then, I, w I, I took my three-year-old boy. I didn't really work. I didn't really film this much this summer. I took my three-year-old boy out to Montana, and he and I were all knocking around out there. 
I took him fishing in upstate New York in like classic tick habitat. This is all after the turkey episode, the mm-hmm. turkey situation. Then I take him to Michigan fishing, staying with both of his grandmas in Michigan. On June 18, I noticed that his, my mom actually was down swimming with him in the lake and I was doing some work. And she comes up and she's like, why is his belly button all red like that? And I look at his belly button swelled out. And then he gets like a circle around his belly button. And I'm like, holy smokes, he's got ticks. And I text a picture of it to my wife. And she texts the picture to his pediatrician. But then the next day, that circle is gone, right? And in my head, in a lot of people's heads, is that when you get Lyme disease, you get like that circle and it just stays there, right? Mm-hmm. But this thing just vanished. But then he starts getting a fever. And then he's talking about this and talking about that. And meanwhile, like everything he's saying keeps happening to me. And I think that it's like psychosomatic. I feel like, like, I'm feeling my kid's ailments, you know I mean? Like, like, it's just, I feel bad for him. So I feel like, God, man, I swear that I have that too. Or I'm like, man, I swear that I feel like, uh, like feverish and the chills. And I keep thinking it's in my head. Well, all of a sudden he gets facial paralysis. And by this point, we've had him down to his pediatrician three times. Each time we're like, man, we're worried about Lyme. We're worried about Lyme. They're like, oh, there's a lot of Lyme hysteria right now. Like everybody thinks they've got Lyme, mm-hmm. but they don't. They're like, this kid, and finally when he had the facial paralysis, they're like, holy cow, he's got Lyme. Even at that point, I didn't go down and do anything. I was, like, worried about him. I was waiting to see what his blood results. They were already treating him with antibiotics. I was waiting to see what his blood results came back as. My wife and I were just distraught over him. Mm-hmm. And I just was, wasn't thinking about myself. And I pushed it too long, man. And I wound up having some amnesia. Um, it got my nervous system where now my legs are numb. I did two weeks of oral antibiotics. It got worse through that. And now I'm on intravenous antibiotics for 28 days. It's a serious deal, I'm telling you. It's like I used to not even care. It's like one of the things I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. If you like to hunt and you like to be eating out of doors and you like to fish and stuff, it's like be careful because it's the thing that will most quickly ruin your hunting and fishing is if you get laid up. Yeah, and it's one of those things, you know, like you said, as outdoorsmen, uh, we've heard about Lyme disease our entire lives but never really pay attention to it. And it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, Texting while driving or something, it's one of those things where you never think it's going to happen to you until you actually get in that wreck. It's, yeah, it's, it's for other people. And yeah. it's like, the, the, there's so many mysteries about it, too, because it manifests in a weird way. So if you're someone who's out there, if you're out there frequently in pit country, okay, and, you know, anybody who wants man, you can go, go on the CDC, like the, the, the CDC website, Centers for Disease Control. Go to the Lyme disease section. And they have maps of the U.S. showing all cases, okay? It's so like the little dots all over. Go and f- do yourself the favor of going on to the CDC website and checking out whether you're in a hot area, okay? And you'll know because there'll be dots all over where you hang out or whether you hunt and fish in the hot area. If you hunt and fish in the hot area, on one hand, I'm saying like now, I used to be a little lackadaisical about repellent. And I, just never mind. I got to mind getting a couple of insect bites and never really bothered me that much. But take all the precautions, you know. Use DEET. Use backwoods off of DEET or old bends or whatever kind you use. Wear clothes and do a tick check. But ticks are so small that it's like it's a good idea to do a tick check, but it's not conclusive. My little boy is three. He's not like a hairy guy. We bathe him every night. He's got thin blonde hair. We found no tick. Mm. Okay. So... Do all that, but the main thing is if you get those symptoms, take it seriously right away. And don't let you, if you go down to your doctor, don't let your doctor like poo poo what you're telling them. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Be like forceful. That's another lesson I learned. Be forceful about your concerns, you know, because your doctor might not deal with a lot of outdoorsmen or deal with a lot of people who are in these areas. And you might travel an hour or two away to an area that has it when your doctor's not seeing it, you know. So go in there and be like, I'm concerned about this. Here's where I've been. If you've got good insurance, get the test. If you've got the symptoms, get on the antibiotics, man. It's like you just really got to be proactive about it, I think, you know. Right on. And Steve, how is your son doing? You know what? I don't understand it. He turned around so fast. And, like, kids are different. So so I visited a lot of specialists, okay? I like, regular doctor, you know, ER people when I had, like, I had memory like memory loss. I lost the whole day. Huh. Just looked up, looked up, all of a sudden I had no idea. Anything that happened that day, couldn't remember leaving home. I had a document open on my computer when I was writing. I didn't know where it came from. I started taking passages of this document and putting it into Google, trying to fit, thinking I had inadvertently cut and pasted something from somewhere else. Oh I, had written a, I had written a note on my hand. I had LOP written on my hand, length of pole, because I was supposed to take a length of pole off, a length of pole measurement off of one of my a custom rifle of mine and send it to a rifle maker. I look at my hand. I didn't know what LOP meant. I didn't know how it got on my hand. Wow. And then it was like that for, and then all of a sudden everything came flooding back to me. By the next day, I knew everything. Hmm. I could look at that. Do- I remember writing every sentence in that document that was was gone to me. So it's through this ER visit, okay, neurologist, um, infectious disease people, and then all that same stuff for my kids. And every time I was talking to these guys, and, and I'm kind of like, I would be with a doctor and I'd be asking about my kid, but they're like, kids are so different, you know. Lyme manifests differently in kids. Kids respond differently to medications. Um, we put him on, he's on doxycycline, I, I think it's called, mm-hmm. uh, oral antibiotic. It was, they're telling us like the facial paralysis, the Bell's palsy. They say it could be months until it clears up. Three, he was like three or four days into a 21-day antibiotic thing, and his face just like, boom, went right back to normal. Okay, so your son is pretty much completely healed by now. He turned it around very quickly. Whereas you've been dealing with this now for uh, almost three months. Yep. Like, I feel like I either got infected on May 1, but I didn't have my son with me on that trip. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we were out on June 8, and we both started showing symptoms on June 18. Mm -hmm. So, I have two theories. One, that I brought a tick home with me in my clothes, or that we both picked it up fishing on June 8, and neither of us found a tick ever. But I think that his bite, based on his first circle rash, I think his bite was uh, that that tick was in the folds of his belly button. Yeah. Because his belly button swelled up and his circle was right around his belly button. Uh-huh. And, you know, kids got those weird little belly buttons anyway. I think it was just, <laughs> I think it was possibly just hiding out in there. But but the treatment, like he started treatment a couple of weeks earlier. I mean, I think that might be all the difference. Everything you read about Lyme is like if you detect it early, you're golden. Like if you detect it early, there's no problem. I was slow about it. And I wound up with a little bit of like some infection, you know, some nervous system infection. And it's, and it's, a, it's been a different deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a buddy in Wisconsin. He just went in. He was one day, he's a farmer. One day he realizes he's got a tick. Um, his wife spotted it on him under his, behind his arm. He goes into his doctor and is a doctor. Just based on the presence of that tick alone, started him on uh, antibiotics. We gave him like a 400 milligram hit of antibiotics. Mm. Um, so people are taking it more seriously, man. 
Yeah. And I don't like to, you know, I don't like to sound like a guy who's like all hysterical about something now, but it just really is something that that warrants paying attention to. People who like to be outdoors is something they got to watch out for. The only other time I've ever been in the hospital in my entire life was from I was in the hospital one time for four days because I had a colon infection from Giardia. <laughs> so it's like you know the outdoor ailments, you know, <laughs> they're they're coming for you. The price of doing business as a career outdoorsman, man. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well we're glad that your son is doing better, and it sounds like you know that you're at least, you've at least turned the corner and or you know on the upswing. Definitely. I'm definitely on the upswing. And the thing is, you know, there's not a doubt in my, listen, there's not a doubt in my mind that, that I'm pulling out of this and I'm going to pull out of this all the way. You know, it's just, it's just a, the, like the leg numbness is a hard thing to do. I, this year I won a, not a one, I drew a, like a pretty coveted mountain goat tag up in Alaska. So I had a plan. Like I should, I was supposed to be out hunting right now, man. We're going to go up in the high country, hunt black tailed deer and then Bob crossed Clarence Strait over to uh, Revilla Island, and I had a goat tag on that island. We were going to climb up in the high country there, my brother, uh, who's a resident up there, mm-hmm. and hunt goats, and and I'm not now. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. I, I'm going to pull out of it. I mean, even if, like, even if I never got any better than I am right now, I feel like I'd find a way to cope with it. Yeah. I've been experimenting a little bit with just uh, – you know, taking ibuprofen and kind of seeing how it responds to that. And, and, I, and I'm making a plan to forge ahead. You know, I got hunts coming up here. Uh, you know, I'm not throwing in the towel by any means. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be out there hammering it. Well, one last thing here uh, about the Lyme disease situation. You know, there's definitely a conflict uh, because you talked about obviously wearing DEET or backwoods off or, you know, some kind of insect repellent. Well, especially for bow hunters, we want to be – as close to scent free as possible and a lot of times we just forego the insect repellent completely but i'll tell you what your experience is really making me rethink that you know serious hunters are are usually going to go with strategy you know and it's and it's a hard like for people who are in there you know bowling i can see a lot of people are gonna be like yeah i'm going without the d and i can i simply like i empathize with that statement on the other hand, I haven't really experimented much at all to see like what, how animals respond to that smell. I can't imagine they like it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they like it. Um, there's other things is like, uh, uh, you know, like certain clothes that are impregnated with deterrence, you know, with, with tick deterrence, a lot of other methods you can try. Um, if you happen to miss a chance on a deer because you're wearing deep is not as bad as all the chances you're going to miss on deer. If you wind up, with a IV line inserted into your arm and you're doing a month's worth of treatments, you know, that'll cost you some deer opportunities. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, going in the future, I think I might, I might uh, go more in the direction of, um, go more in the direction of health and let the, uh, let the hunting take care of itself. Well, man, we are certainly glad that your son is doing better and and that you've turned the corner and it's probably, you know, you being so preoccupied with your son's health that kind of, led you to neglect your own situation if you got kids you understand what i'm saying if you don't have kids you'll maybe someday understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's painful it's painful to see uh to you know to see your something happen to your child you know mm-hmm. i mean we got my wife kept urging me to do something she's like you got to figure your situation out and i just kept thinking that i wanted to get him in a safe spot before i did it and that was probably a little bit stupid Nothing you can do about it now except live and learn, and, and hopefully uh, some of our listeners out there will will also learn from your experience. Uh, but 
Well, I do want to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, change it up a little bit and talk about some exciting stuff as uh, we're getting ready for Season 4 of Meat Eater coming up this fall. Can you stick around for a few more minutes? Absolutely. Perfect. We'll be right back with more from the Meat Eater. Stephen Ranella. you're listening to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. The funny feeling comes when you're in love with everyone And all your races have been run or laid to rest So get this freaking anvil off my chest Need to buy a trailer? Well, Big Tex Trailers is DFW's number one source for trailers. In addition to utility trailers, we have the largest selection of cargoes anywhere. CM Cargoes, Wells Cargoes, Hallmark, Cargo Craft, and Pace. You want it? We got it. Come and get it. Call 972-501-0200 or go to BigTexDFW.com. That's Big Tex Trailers, tough as a Texas Longhorn. Cable Smith here for Magnolite, a Texas-based lighting company that's been outfitting the United States military since the 1960s. Over the past decade, Magnolite has continued to support our troops, but now they have over 200 lights ideal for your hunting and fishing needs, like the 35-watt HID camouflage Go Light Striker with handheld remote. That's 15 million candle power in the palm of your hand, ideal for predator and hog hunting. They also have remote-controlled floodlights, feeder lights, and LED boat lights. So go Texan and go Magnolite. Check them out at www.magnolite.com for all your out outdoor lighting needs. If you're in the market for a firearm, you need to know about STI International. Based out of Georgetown, Texas, they're 100% employee-owned and offer the best warranty and customer service in the business. STI is renowned worldwide for exceptional fit and function. The patented 2011 high-capacity system proved so successful in shooting competitions that over 80% of competitors used STI guns or pistols built on STI frames at the USPSA National Championships. To see their full line of premier pistols, visit STIguns.com or check them out on Facebook at STI Firearms. STI, the continuing evolution of the 1911. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Frisco Gun Club is a one-of-a-kind facility offering a luxury gun range, club, and retail pro shop, selling firearms, ammo, accessories, and apparel. With 36 handgun lanes and full rifle lanes, it's the largest indoor range in the country. Gunsmiths are on-site, and CHL and safety training classes are available. Frisco Gun Club is open to the public and has a variety of annual memberships from entry level to private VIP club complete with full bar, cigar room, and upscale dining. Call 855-FRISCO-CLUB. That's 855-FRISCO-CLUB or visit FriscoGun.com. Opening summer 2013. I'm Carter Smith, and I'm the executive director with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Get me right, make me strong, let it out, it's been too long, I don't want to be with this Smith welcoming everybody back to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Hoff Power Polaris. Prayer for the Lonely is the name of that one from The Departed bringing us back here as we are visiting with our good friend Stephen Ranella this morning. Uh, but before we pick it back up with Stephen, this segment proudly brought to you by STI Guns. 
They are Texas-made and Texas-proud. STI is based out of Georgetown, and they've been producing some of the world's premier pistols for over 25 years now. Check out their full line of 1911 and 2011-style pistols by visiting sti-guns.com and go Texan, go STI. Well, without further delay, let's jump right back into it here with our good friend Stephen Ranella. Thanks for sticking around through the break, man. Yeah, I appreciate the chance to talk about something besides uh, being sick. (laughs) If you're just tuning in uh, and you missed the previous segment, we spent the last 15 minutes or so uh, diving into uh, Stephen's recent bout with Lyme disease, but he has turned the corner, and uh, we are grateful for that. But, uh, man, you know, I I can't believe that uh, y'all are already done with Season 3 of Meat Eater, and uh, we are gearing up for Season 4, which will uh, premiere – on Sportsman's Channel coming up this fall. Yeah, it's been been busy, you know. So we we make, you know, every year we'll do thirteen or fourteen, um, thirteen or fourteen episodes of meat eater, like hunt episodes. And on top of that, we do a handful of our cooking specials. So mm-hmm. we're just cranking year round. And um, anytime there's something interesting to do, we're able to jump on it. And then also we do you know, we do a big load of filming in the fall starting, you know, September, kind of wrapping it up around Thanksgiving. It'll do a big push in the spring. And then if something interesting comes up, we can always throw in on that as well. But uh, we had like the, the last season, we had some, you know, very popular episodes we did. We took out the comedians and actors, uh, uh, Joe Rogan and Brian Callen took those guys on their first ever hunt. Oh yeah. The Missouri breaks region of Montana. And that was just a blast. And, and you know, people love the show. So this November, we're we're getting those guys back out again. It's time just for Wisconsin whitetails. So we're going to a buddy of mine's uh, farm. And we're going to see if we can't get them tied into a couple of whitetails. Now that we got them tied into some mule deer, <laughs> and uh, it was funny hunting with Joe Rogan, man, because like that guy's a meat eating machine, you know. And if we had got we hadn't even been back barely. We'd been back like a month or something from hunting mule deer, and I was on the phone with him about something or another. And I was like, Hey, how's it? Have you tried that deer yet? He's like, try it. I ate it. It's gone. I got one piece left. <laughs> wow. So, so no, he loved it, man. He loved it. And, uh, and so it's good to get, you know, I'm excited to get those guys back out. Other things we're doing is like other, like upcoming hunts we're doing is uh, Kentucky elk. We're going to do some New Mexico elk action. Oh, wow. Um, possibly Columbia blacktails and pigs. Man, I, I put in New Mexico elk this year and uh, I did, unfortunately didn't get drawn, but uh I'm going uh, blue grouse hunting there uh, September 5th through the 10th. So, Oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about New Mexico, it's a bummer. They don't do bonus points. I know. So yeah. when you don't, it's good and bad, you know, but if you're, if you're like a guy, if you're like a chronic, uh, if you're a chronic applier, you wish they had bonus points so you'd like earn something. Yeah. But then if you're just getting in from the ground level, you always got a good chance of pulling a tag. So mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. the first time I, I've been putting it. This is like the fourth year, and I finally hit a good New Mexico tag. Awesome. So awesome. I'm going to be doing that. Kentucky too. You said that. I mean, Kentucky is really uh, their their conservation story with elk is is a pretty impressive one. I mean, they've got some great animals there, and I heard that biggest herd biggest herd in the east now, man. Yeah, it's you pretty know? cool. It's just amazing, and the areas they're in, they're in a lot of reclaimed coal mine areas. So it's like it's just it's a great conservation story, you know. Like taking these areas that have been somewhat degraded, turning them back into gray habitat, putting the animal back in there. So, but also at the same time that I'll be out hunting for future shows we got new episodes coming on new, new meat eater episodes coming up and um 
did a trip that was kind of fun for me. Like went back to my home county in Michigan, and we we used to just hammer it in this thing called the Muskegon Marsh. So it's the Muskegon River system where I grew up, and it was kind of our childhood proving grounds. And we went back there and did an episode. Just uh, just did a like a, a float with a bow fishing rig. Just did a couple day float through the Muskegon Marsh, kind of living off the land back there with a bow fishing rig. It turned into a really beautiful, nice episode that I'm very proud of. We got another cooking special coming up. We got a show about hunting uh, coos deer down in Mexico, and then um, within that, another one we did down there was calling for javelina, which is a javelina call properly handled. Works like what all calls should work like, where you actually get charged and stormed <laughs> by the animal. It's I've funny. never seen I've never seen anything like it. It's funny that you bring that up. We uh we had Larry Wisehoon on uh, a couple weeks ago after after I read a recent article he wrote about calling Havelina and uh, uh-huh. he he just told us it's a hoot and that you know one guy had never that he took out had never been hunting Havelina and and here they come about twenty of them charging in. He said that guy found the closest mesquite tree and got all the way up in the top and then kind of just was so shamed by being such a baby that he packed his bags and left camp that night. <laughs> oh, you're real. Yeah, I, I can believe it because you get all set up, you know, you're bow hunting, you know, and you get all set up and you kind of see him. But at one point I just stumbled into something. I didn't say anything to the guy. I just gave a toot on my call, you know, and, um, <laughs> he wasn't quite prepared for what had happened. You know, cause they come in clacking their teeth and raising hell. If you get it lined out, right. It is like, you're like, why don't all game calls work like this? But I think the thing is this. I think probably all game calls were that effective. You know, my brother, uh, my older brother was an elk guide in Colorado back in the late 70s. And when you talk to him about when people first started blowing bugles and really, like, doing uh, diaphragm cow calling and stuff, it was ridiculously effective, hmm. you know. Because it was like the last thing on that elk's mind is that it was something other than an elk. Yeah. You know, and over years, like, you know, calls get used more and everybody knows, like, technologies change and, and animals get so quickly used to new technologies. For instance, we, we blew calls at one uh, group of Havelina one day, killed one out of the group. The next day, found them again, crept in, just had a beautiful setup, blew that call. Everyone with Havelina went in the opposite direction. Wow. You know, huh. we kind of cured them of that in a hurry, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But if you can get out there and try it, I had this call, this J13 call. I think it's Arizona Predator calls. I bought it online, but man, that thing worked slick. I couldn't believe it. I shouldn't be talking about this, actually. I should be keeping quiet. <laughs> Where did y'all film that episode? That was down in Sonora, Mexico. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. You know, you know, I, I love hunting down there. Like, I like to go down there in January and hunt, you know, during the coos deer rut. It's just a lot of game. Big, huge, private cattle ranches. So, it's a wild, wild area. And not a lot of guys are hunting right now because of concerns for drug violence down the border areas. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, I've done it a few times now and haven't had trouble. I'm planning on going back this January, hopefully. Yeah. And you shot so, a, a Gould's turkey down there last season. That's right. Yep, yep. That same, that same area. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I, I love hunting that stuff. Right on. Well, one other question I had for you is season two, uh, one of my favorite hunts, and something that's on my bucket list, you went after mountain lion. Uh, was It was unsuccessful, but uh, do you twice. have any? I went twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have plans to uh, to to try to get a big cat down anytime soon? I'm not, yeah, I'll never say I'll never say die about it. I mean, I want to go back. The guy I went was a friend of mine, Floyd Green, and a um, gracious guy. You know, and he does a hard kind of line hunt, which, which be similar from you know guys down in your area to hunt West Texas stuff is the you know dry ground line hunts. You don't have the advantage of snow, yeah. and snow does you so many favors because you know you get a better idea when it came through. You definitely know what direction it was going. 
you can get an idea of what size it was hunting dry ground you're just relying on the dog's nose and as good as those dogs are you know it takes them a long time to sort out what way that thing went mm-hmm. um it's tough so i want to get back down there i put in for a limited draw area in montana this year you know i lived in montana for a long time i still got some deep connections out there so i put in for a limited draw area in montana um that some some guys on some friends of friends do extremely well there but it's a tough spot to draw montana manages lions as like a trophy big game animal they're mm. very conservative about tags you know they want a lot of lions around they want them getting big you know mm-hmm. and in other states in other states where there's more of a clash trying to manage game numbers and you know you, you get some areas where you have like very low numbers of deer and you're trying to keep the deer up or you're trying to keep introduce you know bighorn sheep populations going without them getting run into the ground by predators you might be a little more hot and heavy after the lions but in montana this is kind of a different deal in some of these limited draw areas if i hit that tag i'm going to do that this winter but yeah i mean i just really want to get a lion it's like it's the only animal that i've i've eaten three lions now without getting one and it's weird you'd eat three lions and not have gotten one yourself right right it just kills me that's yeah. almost worse than a lion disease <laughs> <laughs> i got lion disease and lion disease yeah, it's like me. I've got a bear, a, a bunch of bear meat in the freezer, and I've, I've, I haven't shot a bear yet. So, oh really? Yeah. Well, we don't. You know, obviously, we don't have yep. uh, any bears in Texas to speak of, and uh, it's one of those. Well, you know what? I can help really. you. I can help you with that problem. I really think that what we ought to do is next year we ought to plan on um, getting you a bear next year. Hey, sign me up. You tell me when and where, I'll be if you there. Got time, if you got time in September, like, there's areas that we hunt often where, I mean, we'll see it's spot stock hunting in the alpine, like, you know, above tree line, and it's nothing to see eight, nine, ten bears a day. Wow. <laughs> it's just amazing, you know. It's like I would love I would love to get you up there and do that. Well, I mean, yeah. you're, um, you know, you're always so good to me, but let me come on your show. I need to pay back with with, with a good with a good bear trip. So I think we, we should stay in touch about that. If you're if you're willing to come on, uh, if you're willing to come on as a guest on Meteor, I can make that I can make that work for us. Hey, I'd love nothing more than that, man. For real. Really? Awesome. All right, let's yeah. plan on it. I'm serious. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, I will definitely take you up on that for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an inexpensive hunt too. If if you look at other non, if you look at other out of state hunting opportunities, black bears. Fall black bears in Alaska is a very inexpensive hunt, and, is a, and, and if you do it right, you're going to have great success. You know, it's something I think people should have on their radar. Man, black bear hunting in Alaska with the meat eater crew—I don't know if it could get any better than that, my friend. Uh, but hey, uh, Stephen, I do want to talk about what makes your show so unique. Um, you know, you take the viewer through the entire process—the hunt, the butchering of the animal, the preparation of the specific cuts of meat, and then the celebration of eating that wild harvest. Uh, around the campfire, whether that's you by yourself or, you know, you enjoying it with the guys who are on that trip with you. And uh, I think it's the culmination of the entire process that really has made folks gravitate to Meat Eater. Uh, it's it's far from, you know, just the typical guy sitting on the edge of an Iowa cornfield in a tree stand. Oh, that, that, that means a lot to me to hear you say that. You know, I think that there's you know, around, I've traveled around the country, and there's so many different ways of hunting. So many different people do things different ways. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to kind of, like, capture the way that my friends and I and my brothers and I have, have done it, and we've always been real focused on 
on the wild game end of things and the in the consuming end of things, but also the adventure and the camaraderie, you know. So I really try to bring all that to the table on the show, and and, and you know I'm all, and I'm thrilled when I talk to someone who enjoys it. And um, like I said, we're gonna you, you're gonna you're gonna get the you're gonna get an insider's look because we're gonna make that bear hunt happen. <laughs> all right, well I'm certainly looking forward to it, man. Uh, that that uh, it's been on the list for a while, so and. And I have never been to. Yeah, Alaska, man, we can so. go. We can go on your show and promote it. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly do it. <laughs> um, well, also just want to hit the the book by the same name, Meat Eater. Uh, one of my one of my favorite reads of the last few years. Y'all be sure be sure to check that out. You can find that on the MeatEater dot com, your website. And another, another thing I want to plug is we've been working very hard. I mean, the guys I work with in the production company I work with, we've been working very hard on a forthcoming book, which is. I'm not totally sure on the title yet, but the title is going to conclude. It's going to include the words um, "complete guide to hunting, butchering, and cooking wild game." It's been a very ambitious project, but it's a fully illustrated, color photograph guidebook that awesome. covers. I mean, as much of the hunting world as I can throw into this book, I'm throwing into it. And it's just, on one hand, it's been just kind of killing me. It's just been a tremendous amount of work, but on the other hand, I know that when it's done, it's going to be like a, a beautiful document that I think will do a lot of good for a lot of hunters. Beginner and experienced alike. You know, I'm trying to do that too, is like craft a book that means a lot to guys who hunt, so people who grew up hunting. I want them to look at that book, and every page I want them to find something that that resonates with them or that informs them. But I also want it to be something that people who are looking to get into hunting can pick up and feel like it gives them a, a little jump start. Very cool. Well, we will certainly be looking forward to that, as well as uh, Season 4 of Meat Eater coming out this fall. It starts in October, 8 o'clock Central, Sunday nights on Sportsman's Channel. And, uh, Stephen, we are certainly glad that you have turned the corner uh, on this Lyme disease thing, man. That is a rotten deal. Yeah, I appreciate you saying so, man. And uh, take care, and we will get our hunt planned. All right, brother. Can't wait. Thanks a lot. All right, there he goes, the meat eater, Stephen Ranella. Tell you what, I absolutely love this industry. Alaskan black bear has long been on my bucket list, so uh, that would just be surreal to, to get to go on Meat Eater and, and be a part of that. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll head down to the lower Laguna Madre and talk some saltwater fly fishing for reds and trout with Captain Scott Sparrow. So all you fly anglers out there, get ready. You're listening to the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I'd wake up with my sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head And we cool my The new Bobcat Utility Vehicle is here at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth, and it's hungry. Get ready to work like an animal and love it. Powerful, ultra-comfortable, and sure-footed, this lineup of vehicles delivers legendary Bobcat performance, so you can sink your teeth into a wide range of jobs with twice the horsepower, 1,850 pounds of payload capacity, and four-wheel independent suspension, you will love it. Stop in at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth to see for yourself. Hey everybody, this is Brian Spagnol from TexasMotorCars.com. I'm here today to tell you about the best place in Texas to shop for your next vehicle. TexasMotorCars.com is a family-owned and operated business located in Addison, Texas. We have a huge inventory of pre-owned vehicles and specialize in trucks and SUVs. Please visit TexasMotorCars.com today. Come see me, Brian Spagnola. Our phone number is 972 481 
1660. We all need a friend in the gun business, and that's why you should check out B&S Guns. Family-owned and operated since 1987, we offer a lifetime warranty on all firearm purchases. At B&S, we have a gunsmith on staff at all times, and our 5,000-square-foot building contains all your hunting and firearm needs. Open seven days a week, we specialize in Nikon, Leopold, Browning, Remington, Swarovski, Benelli, Zeiss, and many more. Conveniently located in Garland, call 972-226-1816 or visit bsgunstore.com. That's bsgunstore.com. All right, listen up, all you Texas outdoorsmen and women. SDS Outdoors is a top-tier manufacturer and distributor of high-quality, feature-rich, luxury outdoor products. Their product lines include luxury deer blinds, deer blind windows, gun range towers, bow fishing boats, and a whole lot more. Call SDS Outdoors at 214-551-1530 or check them out online at www.sdsoutdoors.com. Uh, my name is Robbie Byers. I'm the executive director of CCA Texas, and I'm listening to the Lone Star Outdoors radio show. Because the weather's nice and the water's bright, man, I could fish here all damn night. When you had a bad day and your mind is in a haze, you can clear your head in these salt water bays. Saltwater Bays is the name of that one there from our good friend Brandon Key bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, pretty appropriate too since we're about to talk some saltwater bay fishing here. Uh, by the way, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for letting me ride shotgun with you this morning. Uh, this segment of the program probably brought to you by Lone Star Light, the national beer of Texas and the first thing I grab after a long day spent on the water. So celebrate tight lines and full stringers by grabbing an ice-cold Lone Star Light. Lone Star Light, the national beer of Texas. Uh, well, let's go ahead and welcome our next guest who joins us now live from the lower Laguna Madre. Uh, we're going to talk some saltwater fly fishing for redfish and trout. It is my pleasure to welcome Captain Scott Sparrow to the program. Well, you're welcome. It's good to be here. Yes, sir. It is good to have you. And and we do talk uh, coastal fishing quite frequently on our show, and we do talk fly fishing as well from time to time, but we've never mixed the two and, and talked coastal fly fishing. Uh, so it's something that's fairly new to me, and, and I know a lot of our listeners out there are dedicated fly fishermen who, who enjoy targeting uh, redfish and trout in those bay systems. Uh, and you've been guiding um, since 1999 and, and have been fly fishing, I believe, since you were in your in your early 20s. So uh, to say that, that you know what you're doing is, uh, is a gross understatement. But uh, what is the first thing that you look for when trying to pick out an area to target fish? Well, obviously I have a lot of, of database, you might say, a list of venues that I might cover. But the first thing I look at is absolute water depth because uh, we do everything I do is sight casting. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be in a 15 inches or less. So I look at the water depth as I go down the Arroyo toward the Laguna Madre, assessing what lagoons will be at the right depth, and that's usually what determines where I go first. Okay, okay. So then are you, you know, actually visually making contact with these fish, or are you looking for a trout slick, or, or, or explain that process? We, we go back into the back lagoons, which are largely out of reach of boats. Mm -hmm. uh, I use a new water boat work stilt, which is the skinniest boat probably made today 
but we access lagoons that are over, um, basically beyond the reach of most boats. And we're looking at either uh, tailing pods, individual tailing redfish, mm-hmm. or uh, birds working over pods uh, right. that would show us where they're feeding. Uh, sometimes there are, there are areas where trout tail as well as redfish, so we may be looking for tailing trout as well. Okay. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get into the flies then that are uh, okay. appropriate for you know late summer um, and on into early fall. And and you'd told me some, you know, when I headed down there this past weekend, you gave me some uh, insight into, you know, what color clousers and deceivers and, and, and crabs and stuff. Uh, but maybe you could just get a little bit more specific for our listeners. Sure. Well, the conditions dictate the fly choice uh, as much as anything. The fish, redfish, are pretty non-selective. If you have a decent fly and you put it in front of them in a way that's not overly aggressive. Uh, so the conditions such as uh, depth and grassiness, and whether there's vegetation at all, will actually uh, determine the, the fly choice. So that in the morning, we tend to fit the west side of the lower Laguna Madre, which is full of grass. And we'll use uh, either poppers with weed guards, a uh, popper that I've developed called the VIP, mm-hmm. which is available, I think, from Cabela's. Um, but nonetheless, uh, uh, small poppers with weed guards, also uh, lightweight spoons tied on hooks that are uh, called minnow hooks, which really protects the uh, hook barb from the grass. It's a semi-weedless or semi-circle uh, hook type of spoon. Um, also, we use very lightweight uh, shrimp patterns that are uh, have weed guards. I have one called the Mother's Day Fly. But all these uh, are, are designed to sink slowly or float because we're fishing in, like I said, 15 inches or less of grass-filled water. So you're pretty quickly fouled if you cast a, a lure that a fly that sinks quickly or has a hook that rides uh, open or down. You're dead in the water if you use a clouser on the west side, for instance, mm-hmm. unless you're just, uh, the water's hot. After mid-morning, when the sun comes up, we tend to shift to the east side where there's no grass. And over on the sand, we use crab patterns and little clousers and a lot of bonefish-type, small uh, clouser-like patterns, crazy charlies, that type of thing. Uh Um, For redfish that are feeding on crabs and worms in the sand. Hmm. So those flies can be, without weed guards, they can be hooked down or hooked up, doesn't matter. And they're not going to foul very easily over there. Talk about, actually, the presentation. uh, Okay. You know, when when you're casting out and, and trying to make sure that uh, you don't spook the fish. Yeah. Well, when you're fishing to a tailing redfish, let's say in the morning on the west side, and he's tailing in grass and digging up crabs and shrimp, uh, it's hard to get their attention unless you you cast the fly right at them and let it sink into their sight window, or use a popper that has uh, some noise to it that draws them off the bottom and makes them look up. So um, you can be more aggressive and more direct. Uh, on the west side in the grass, you need to be because they won't will not see the fly. If a redfish doesn't react, he hasn't seen the fly. Mm-hmm. A lot of my clients say, "Oh, they don't like my fly." And uh, my friend Skipper Ray once said at noon, when his clients wanted to change their flies, he said, "Fellows, the fish haven't even seen your flies yet." <laughs> so it's common for newcomers to think that the fish aren't interested, but really what they're what they're perceiving is the fish haven't seen their fly because they haven't casted it close enough. 
so obviously you're going to spook a lot of fish when you put the fly close enough for them to see it in a grassy venue. Now, when we go out on the east side on the sand, it, the water is often crystal clear, no obstructions, and therefore when you cast a fly to them, you don't want to be as direct. You want to hit, you know, three feet away. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll perceive it over to it and uh, grab it off the bottom even if it's not moving because uh, uh, crabs will defend themselves by becoming stationary. So a lot of guides and a lot of uh, fly fishers use crab patterns because you can cast it out there and basically let it sink to the bottom and the fish will come over and eat it without any any movement. Now, I, I like to use clousers over there and, uh, and cast, you know, three feet away from them. And uh, usually you'll see a redfish, even if he's feeding head down, you'll cast a fly two or three feet away. He'll, like, pause for a moment like he hasn't seen it, but he's actually perceived it, and he'll just slowly turn toward it and move over to it once he kind of registers its, its presence. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you don't actually, with the uh, sinking flies, um, you don't actually have to strip the line in and work the bait back to you. I mean, they, they'll see it. Well, you do on a clouser pattern such as that. Uh-huh. I, I, I will cast out, let it sink down toward where the, the fish will see it. Remember, the fish, the redfish are bottom feeders, uh, customarily bottom feeders. They have a, a mouth on the bottom of their head. It's called an inferior mouth because it's below, the, you know, below. And mm-hmm. so they're, they're looking down, they're feeding in the sand, and so their orientation is always down. If you cast a fly over their heads and, and strip it over their heads, they'll often not see it. So you've got to let the fly get down in the water column to where they are and then begin to move it. And most things I have, you, you do strip as normally, you know, six-inch strips steadily. Uh, redfish also, also have a small mouth as opposed to uh, a trout. Trout have a huge mouth like a largemouth bass. But redfish will uh, sometimes miss the fly if it's too erratic. You know, because they have a small mouth, they have to, you know, they have to find that fly. And if you're jerking it around too much, they'll miss it a lot. Okay. And is it a, a pretty immediate hook set? I mean, uh, you know, much in the same vein of, of largemouth bass fishing? A lot of people who fish cold water mm-hmm. uh, set the high, set the fly quickly. And they'll, it's so visual. Everything we do is sight casting. So you'll see the fish turn. You'll see the fish flare on it. The gills flare. You know, it's, it's so heart-stopping that most people lift their rod and pull the fly rod out of the fish's mouth. Mm. So it takes a lot of discipline uh, or experience. And usually by mid-morning after a person's had a few takes and, and done the customary and foolish thing of lifting the rod, uh, <laughs> as they're taught to do, you know, when you're fishing a stream where the trout have been pricked so many times by a dry fly, they're going to spit that fly out, you know, just as soon as they feel the unnaturalness of it. But in... In the salt, both trout and redfish are used to eating things that are hard, and they take their time and they swallow it. You know, they don't they don't feel it out and spit it out as a rule. Uh-huh. And so, if you can wait a, just a second and then strip, you're going to be more likely to hook up. Okay. Then, obviously, I mean, it, for any fly fishing, tension is the most important thing. You know, as far as keeping that tension on the fish uh, when you're stripping yeah. the line in. Uh, right. As far as extra advice for the fly fishermen who maybe they're new to the sport completely or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just like me, new to saltwater fly fishing, um, right. any other, you know, uh, newbie advice that uh, you could give us this morning? Uh, it's really important to have high-quality high Polaroids, wraparound Polaroids that keep the uh, light from coming in the side. 
that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, it's important to practice your casting before you come to the water. People tend typically they just uh, practice on the water. I've had clients who've never fished salt water and done really well because they practiced ahead of time. So casting distance more than you know more than 40 feet from 40 to 80 feet out there is really important. Uh, thirdly, line management is critical, and uh, learning how to uh, manage a line either on a casting basket you're carrying with you to keep it off the grass or learning how to carry the line uh, in hand without getting it knotted. Uh, line management is the greatly underrated uh, third tier of skills uh, of seeing fish, casting to them, and managing your line. Hmm. Of course, that's hard to practice, but having a good casting basket that you can purchase from any number of vendors can be useful for especially grassy conditions. Great insight. And, and if anyone out there uh, wants more information on uh, on sight casting to trout and redfish, uh, you can check out LagunaMadre.net. Uh, that is Captain Sparrow's blog. Um, also, you can purchase flies and other gear on there as well. So uh, I encourage you all to check that out. Uh, Captain Sparrow, we certainly appreciate your time this morning, and uh, I'm looking forward to heading down there and fishing with you sometime in the near future. Okay, well, let me say one more thing. The sure. Lower Laguna Madre is a unique hypersaline fishery. It's 300 square miles. It's been called the least uh, pressured, most available saltwater fishery in North America, largely clear water. And if you want to sight cast to world record trout and to abundant redfish, it's a great place. Yes, indeed it is. It's an absolutely amazing fishery. Uh, we appreciate your time this morning, Captain. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. There he goes, Captain and actually Dr. Uh, Scott Sparrow. We certainly appreciate his time today. Uh, Unfortunately, that is going to do it for this morning. Thanks to uh, our other guests as well as Captain Sparrow, of course, uh, Colton Mitchell and Dallin Bishop, as well as the meat eater, Stephen Ranella. We'll do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm on Bill Nick Boat.